This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. I want you to take your copy of God's Word, your uh, iPad, uh, your iPhone. If you don't have any of that, take your eyelids right there to James chapter 1, verse 17. I love what that verse says. Listen to what it says. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Amen? Look, get, the, get that real close. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down, it cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let's read it again. It's good. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let us pray. God, as we bow our heads and our hearts in your presence, I thank you for Christmas. Happy birthday, Jesus. I'm so glad it's Christmas. I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to us and through us. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Lord. Have your will and way. And for all you do, we're going to praise you. For I pray this prayer with a grateful heart. For I pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to talk to you about Christmas gifts for difficult days. Christmas gifts for difficult days. I read a unique story this week. It was a true story about a Canadian airline, a Canadian airline by the name of WestJet. Now, I've traveled a lot. I've been a lot of places. I've preached a, a ton. I, I remember this year I said to Barbara, I said, Barbara, I've just gone too much. With the book Defy the Odds, I've just traveled too much. She said, why do you say that, Benny? And I said, well, the other day, I pulled up at the mailbox, ordered a Big Mac and order of fries, and circled the house. I've been going too much. But I travel a lot. And being on a bunch of airlines, I've never been on a Canadian airline called WestJet, but I think I may start flying on WestJet if I possibly can. Let me explain to you what happened. There were some people, all those that were going to fly on a certain plane, they were at a departure gate. True story. And while they were at this departure gate, they had a Santa Claus. He was actually on a, on a, on a, a TV set, and he was, Santa Claus was talking to the people. So when the people were walking up, Santa Claus would say, what do you want for Christmas? Now, some would say an iPad. Some were saying a giant screen TV. TV. One man literally said, he said, I just need socks and underwear. I just need socks and underwear. And so, uh, so they were just telling what they were going and wanting for Christmas. Now, the people got on this plane. But what they didn't know, when they got on the plane, the people here at this airline, WestJet, did something. While they were on the plane... They had staff that was out shopping. 
So when they landed and they went to baggage claims to, to get their luggage, all these presents started flowing down. I, I, I mean, literally. I mean, I, the guy got the giant screen TV. I mean, they got the iPads. I mean, the children got the toys. True story. The guy even got his socks and underwear. Amen? Now, look, I have never flown WestJet before, but I'm going to start trying to fly WestJet. Wonderful, wonderful gifts. You know what I learned this, this week? 98% of Christians, of 98% of Americans, excuse me, celebrate Christmas. 98%. That is to say, folks, the agnostics, they celebrate Christmas. The atheists, they celebrate Christmas. 98% of Americans, some that don't even believe in God, but yet they still celebrate Christmas. Now, here's what's interesting 97% of Americans exchange gifts. They give gifts one to another. And I began to think about this thought. Christmas gifts for difficult days. See, nothing is in the Bible just to be in the Bible, folks. It's not Shakespeare. It's the inerrant, infallible, immutable Word of God. Uh, God didn't give us the Bible to increase our knowledge. God gave us the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, to change our lives. That's why we need the Word of God. We need, we need God's Word so desperately. Now, here's what I want you to get. I am convinced that the people of Christmas, the people in the Christmas story, I would encourage you to reread it, but the people in the Christmas story give us some valuable gifts. I believe every person in the Christmas story gives us a gift. I believe, first of all, the shepherds give us some gifts. The shepherds give us some gifts. See, the, the, the shepherds, I believe, teach us three things. But they're things that are very important. Here's what the shepherds teach us, folks. The shepherds teach us that God loves all people. That God loves all people. Now, let me explain to you who the shepherds were. The shepherds were the lowest of the low. The shepherds literally were unlearned. They were uneducated. The shepherds were banned from the cities because of the bodily odor that they had. The shepherds, their, their testimony was not admissible. Literally, a shepherd's testimony was not admissible in the court of law. And Genesis 46 verse 34 says that the Egyptians considered shepherds an abomination. But get this. Look what the Bible says. It says, and there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Get this. I would have thought... That God would have made the announcement of the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to the intellectuals in Athens. I would have thought that he would have made the announcement to the religious people in Jerusalem. I would have thought that he would have made the announcement to the dignitaries in Rome. 
But ladies and gentlemen, he made the announcement of the birth of his son to the lowest of the low. You say, Pastor, what's the message? Here's the message. God loves all people. God loves all people. The, uh, God loves all people. God loves all people. The people that are controlled by addiction, God loves them. The people that are in a homosexual relationship, God loves them. The man that's committing adultery, God loves him. The fornicator, God loves him. God loves all people. And that's why he came. I'll tell you what the shepherds teach us. They teach us that God loves all people, but they teach us something else. They teach us the sacrifice for sin is over. See, if you study the Bible, there's so much written about shepherds. You remember Moses was a shepherd? You remember David was a shepherd? The, the shepherds, what, what, what were the shepherds doing? Keeping watch over their flock. But why all this talk, Pastor Benny, about shepherds? And I'll tell you why. Because you got to understand, for temple sacrifice, there had to be 1,367 animals slain every year. At the temple, it was a bloody sacrifice. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. That is to say, the high priest was constantly offering up a animal sacrifice for his sins and the sins of the people. But you get this. <laughs> get this. When that angelic host appeared, he was saying to those shepherds, guys, <laughs> you just about ready to be out of work. <laughs> <laughs> you just about be, be out of work because John 1 and 29 says behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world see all they was doing they was offering a sacrifice and it was providing a covering for another day it was providing a covering for another week it was providing a covering for another month it was providing a covering but for another year but oh when Jesus died it didn't provide a covering it provided take away the sins of the world let me tell you something that will start your tractor on a cold morning amen you understand something <laughs> the shepherds teach us ladies and gentlemen they teach us that God loves all people they teach us the sacrifice for sin is over but get this they teach us that opportunities come to the faithful Look here. You know what I believe, folks? Somebody said, you may not believe what Brother Benny believes, but after hearing him preach, you'll believe he believes what he believes. <laughs> you know what I believe that most young couples want? They want in four months what it took mom and daddy 40 years to get. That they want in four months what it took mom and daddy 40 years to get. But this is what I've learned. Opportunities come to the faithful. See, look what that scripture says. It says, and there were in the same country, shepherds, wait, what were they doing? They were abiding in the field. What were they doing? They were doing the same thing every night. They were doing the same thing every night. And on one night, there was an angelic announcement. But they were doing the same thing every night. See, if you'll do what you can with what you have, God won't leave you where you are, and he'll increase what you have. Amen?
I'm talking about just being faithful because opportunities come to the faithful. Many times a young preacher will walk up to me and he'll say, hey, Pastor Benny, I'll say, yes, he'll say, I want to do what you do. And I'll think, son, do you want to do what I did? Yeah, I've learned a lot of people want to do what a person's doing, but they don't want to do what I did. Unless you do what I did, you can't do what I'm doing. Because opportunities come to the faithful. God is just looking for somebody uh, to be faithful. Somebody said, oh, Pastor Benny, I, I, I want God to use my life. I want God to use my ministry. Do you really mean that? Well, if you really mean that God want, you want God to use your life and you want God to use your ministry, you need to read what Timothy says. It says, God considered me faithful, and then he put me in the ministry. God considered me faithful, and then he put me in the ministry. You say, oh, Pastor Benny, I want to get in the ministry, and then I I'll be faithful. It don't work that way. You got to be faithful and then God will use your life. I don't know who I'm preaching to, but it feels good. You got to be faithful and then God will use your life. A young man was dating a young lady and he fell in love with her. He fell in love, but the problem was he was drafted for the military. He was drafted for the military, and he was a one-year deployment. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. He said, every day, I'm going to write you a letter. I'm going to write you a love letter, and I'm going to tell you how much I love you every day. And he said, I'm going to mail it every day. He said, for a year, you're going to get 365 letters from me. And he said, when I get back, we're going to get married. He did just that. He wrote 365 letters. And a year later, she got married. She married the mailman. <laughs> Look here, folks. We just need to be faithful to deliver the mail. Amen? We just need to be faithful. Do you just, listen, somebody said, oh, Pastor Benny, I'm wanting magnific magnificent. No, no, listen, look, look, look. You're going to have more maintenance days in life than you have magnificent days. You're going to have more maintenance days than you have magnificent days. But I've learned if you'll just be faithful in the maintenance days, God will give you some magnificent days. But you won't experience magnificent days. I know you don't like how I'm preaching. But you won't experience magnificent days unless you have the maintenance days. But if you'll just be faithful to have the maintenance days, God will give you the magnificent days. I want to tell you, those shepherds, oh, they're giving us a gift this morning. But not only do the shepherds give us a gift, but get this. The scholars give us a gift. The scholars give us a gift. You said, Pastor, what, what, what are you talking about that the, that the scholars give us a gift? I, I'm, I'm talking about the wise men. Now, look what it says. Look here. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in those days, Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, look what they were saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east. Look here. And we've come to worship him. Now, now I want to lay the groundwork. This, this is not a long message. It, it may seem, according to your outline, you think he's going to preach all day. No, I'm not but, but, but get this. I want to give you the gr groundwork. These men were astronomers. <clears throat> and I still believe wise men follow the star, don't you? Yeah. Uh, look here, look here. 
These men were astronomers. They were in, they were, they were in Babylon. They, they saw this star in the east. Now, you said, Pastor, what do, what do we know about these men? Well, first of all, we know they were wise men. Second of all, we know they were wealthy men. And third of all, we know they were well-born men. What I mean by well-born men, they were descendants of Daniel. Now, I'm going to mess some of you up right here. You're going to get hurt at me because I'm going to mess your nativity scene up. <laughs> they never came to the manger. They, they, they weren't there. See, it was about a 1,500-mile journey. It took them about a year and a half to get there. They had to cross the desert. They had to cross the Euphrates River. The Bible, if you'll notice, if you read your, your Bible close, it says when they came, they came to his house. Jesus was already in the house. While I'm just messing everything up, I'm just really messing up. Okay, listen. Uh, uh, they, they, were, they were wealthy men. They, they didn't ride camels. They were wealthy. You've got to understand, they would have came on Arabian horses. Uh, I, I'll just really tear it out of the frame while we're talking. Uh, look here. They weren't, they, I don't no more believe there was three wise men. I know that destroys the song, We Three Kings. But first of all, it never says there were three wise men. It says they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And I really don't believe three wise men would have troubled Herod. I think there was a lot larger number than that. But here's what I want you to see. These wise men, you, you, you stay with me today. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave. These wise men teach us some very valuable things. Remember, they're wise men. Here, here's something that's very important that the wise men teach you. The wise men teach you to always keep your eyes on Jesus. Always keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, look. Because of the earth's rotation, stars would travel east to west. Because of the earth's rotation. Get this. They said, we've seen a star in the east. Get this. And they followed the star 1,500 miles. But they get to Jerusalem. They get to Jerusalem, team. And they start saying, where's he at? Where's he at? You say, well, Pastor Benny, why do you think they quit following the star? I'll tell you why they quit following the star. They were astronomers. They were astronauts. Do you, hey, by the way, this is just a point of interest. Do you realize that in, in astronomy, better than 90% of those that are involved in astronomy are believers? You say, why would that be? Because the heavens declare the glory of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. You say, well, Pastor Benny, why did they get there and say, where's he at? Stars travel east to west. God circumvented nature. They stopped at Jerusalem because you've got to realize Bethlehem was five miles south of Jerusalem. God circumvented nature. So rather than the stars just going east to west, the star went north to south. 
Here's the message, and I'm, tr- I'm trying to move to point two, but I just feel like I need to camp here a moment. I feel like I need to camp here a minute. We get in trouble when we get our eye off the star and try to rationalize and make it all make sense. When all we ought to do is just follow the star. We ought to just follow the star and leave the consequences to God. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Let me tell you something. Every time in my life that I've been disenchanted, every time I've been in my life that I've been discouraged, dismayed, disheartened, and I've been there, by the way, every time. Every time that I literally wanted to quit. You say, Pastor, you don't, th- you don't say that. Yeah, I've been there. But every time that I wanted to quit, I always got my eye on something or somebody other than Jesus, the Lamb of Glory. And when I've kept my eyes on Jesus, I've been encouraged. And if you'll keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll be encouraged. Amen? Look here. The star, the the, the wise men teach us to keep our eyes on the star. I've got to move. But the wise men teach us something else. They teach us that your direction for life is in the Bible. You say, Pastor, I really need to know something. You don't understand. I need direction. (laughs) You don't, you're not going to find direction through the psychic network. (laughs) By the way, (laughs) I, I read that the psychic network went bankrupt. You would have thought they would have seen it coming. Look, get, get this. You're, you're not going to find direction through writing a columnist. One lady wrote, Dear Abby, this is what she said. Dear Abby, I've been going with this man for some time. Now, just before our wedding, I've discovered that he has a wooden leg. And then she said, do you think I should break it off? (laughs) Now, wait. They follow the star 1,500 miles. They get to Jerusalem, and they say, get this, team. Where? Is he at? Herod doesn't have a clue. He's as lost as a ball in high weeds. Paranoid as as can be. Worried about somebody going to take his throne. He doesn't have a clue. So he gets his Bible guys. He gets the guys who write the Bible, the scribes. And he says, where's he going to be born at? And look what they said. And he gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together. He said, Where's Christ going to be born? And they said, oh, Herod, in Bethlehem. In Bethlehem. Just like it's written by the prophets. Get this, folks. If the wise men had just read the Bible 
and read Micah 5 and 2, they would have had the direction they needed. Look here. Can God give me a vision, Pastor? Oh, yes. Can God give me a dream? Oh, yes, Pastor Benny. Can, can God speak to me? Oh, yes. But let me tell you something. 95% of the direction he's going to give you in life, he's going to give you through God's Word. 95% of the direction that God's going to give you in life, he's going to give you through the Word of God. That's why you need to be daily in your Bible. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why church ought to not just be a possibility. It ought to be a priority and say, yes, I'm going to be in God's house because that preacher is going to preach the Bible. Get this, get this. Let, let, let me give you one more. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. No, I'm not. Let me give one more. Look here. This, I'm going to preach to me. I'm going to take this point because this is for me. I'll just tell you in advance. You all can check out if you want to. This point is for me. Don't let your circumstances steal your joy. Mm, mm. Listen, it was a great day in my life when I realized I can't determine what happens to me but I can determine what happens in me. And it was a great day in my life when I decided I'm not going to let my circumstances steal my joy. Amen? I'm not going to let my circumstances. I can rejoice by choice. I can rejoice in the Lord for what He has done for me. Amen? Chippy, the parakeet, he never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage. He was singing. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. His problem began when his owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum. <laughs> I'm just visualizing this. Look, she stuck the nozzle in to suck the seeds and feathers in the bottom of the cage. Then the phone rang. Instinctively, she turned to pick it up and said hello, and then swoop. <laughs> Chippy got sucked in. Or was bad. She gasped. She dropped the phone. She snapped off the vacuum. With her heart in her mouth, she unzipped the bag. There was Chippy. <laughs> oh, Chippy was alive, but he was stunned. <laughs> he was covered with heavy black dust. She grabbed him. She rushed him to the bathtub, turned on the faucet full blast, and held Chippy under this extremely cold water, power washing him clean. She did what you would have done, what any compassionate pet owner would have done. She snatched out the hair dryer and blasted the wet, shivering little bird with hot air. <laughs> this is how the story ends. You know, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> This is what I've learned, folks. Get this. These wise men didn't let the circumstances, they didn't let the circumstances steal their joy.
Let me tell you something, folks. You got to praise the Lord. You got to, hey, I don't mean this wrong. I'm just preaching. I'm preaching out of the overflow. But you got to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You got to be able to say the God we serve is able to deliver us. But even if he don't deliver us, we're not going to bow down. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to lift our hands toward heaven. We're going to give God praise. Let me tell you, if God sends my wife back, I'm going to praise the Lord. But if God don't send her back, I'm still going to praise the Lord. If God God brings my children home I'm going to praise the Lord but if God don't bring my children home I'm going to still praise the Lord if God touches my body I'm going to praise the Lord oh come on folks if God don't touch my body I'm still going to praise the Lord You say, preacher, you don't know that these wise men were discouraged. No, you stick with me. Yes, I do. Why do you think they went to Herod's palace? Because they were looking for a king. I wonder how they would have failed if I could have told them. Let me tell you something. You're going to Buckingham Palace. You're looking for a king. But he wasn't born in a palace. He was born in a barn. I wonder how they felt when they got to his house. Because I don't believe his house was much better than, his, than the barn. I'll tell you what, folks. They were discouraged. But they didn't let discouragement steal their joy. They didn't let discouragement steal their joy. I just want to challenge you, folks. I don't know what you're going through. But don't let discouragement steal your joy keep praising God he's been good to us give, give, give me one more and I'll move keep giving your best all I'm saying is keep giving your best look they got there and there was no palace but they still gave the gold they still gave the frankincense and they still gave the myrrh. All I'm trying to say to you, you say, my marriage is not going well. Keep giving your best. My ministry is not going well. All I'm giving you some advice, keep giving your best. Listen, I'm trying to have a home like heaven while raising a child from hell. Keep giving your best. Amen? Keep giving. I'm just trying to say, keep giving your best. Best. You said, but my ministry preacher, Benny, uh, let, let me tell you something. You said, Pastor Benny, if you had discouraging days in ministry, oh, goodness. What do you do? You keep giving your best. You said, what do you do when people disappoint you? You keep giving your best. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're traveling seems all uphill, when funds are low but debts are high, when you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care's pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Success is failure turned inside out, the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are. You may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things go wrong that you must not quit. That you must not quit. You stick in there. You stick in there. You say, no, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up because a quitter never wins and a winner never quits. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to stick in here. Amen. How do you pastor a church 33 years? When I wanted to quit, I just stayed. Amen. How do you do it, Pastor Benny? How, how do you stay? When I wanted to leave, I just stayed. <laughs> when the congregation wanted me to leave, I just stayed. I've said many times I felt like they could move their furniture. 
I mean, they could move their membership faster than I could move my furniture. Let's move to the next point. I'm done. The saints give us some gifts. What do the saints give us, Pastor Benny? Well, let me tell you something. Joseph teaches us to believe in people. Joseph teaches us to believe in people. See, if you study, the scripture says Joseph was a just man. And he didn't want to make a public example out of her. What, what, what could he have done? He could have had her stoned. But let me tell you, he didn't do it. Because, see, Joseph believed in people. Psychologists tell us that if I ask you to write down your weaknesses, you will. If I ask you to write down your strengths, you will write down two or three. But if I ask you to write down your weaknesses, you will write down three times as many. Let me tell you what people need. People need somebody to believe in them. People need somebody to believe in them until they can believe in themselves. I just want to challenge you this Christmas. Believe in people. Believe in people. Let people know you believe in them. Somebody said what holds people back is not what they think they are, but what they think they are not. What holds people back is not what they think they are, but what they think they are not. Now get this, dads, especially dads. Dad, there's something that your child needs. There's something that some children live their entire lives crying out for. Some never get it. Dad, let me tell you what your child needs. Whether your child is 10 or whether your child is 50, let me tell you what your child needs. Your child needs to hear you say, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Your child needs to hear you say, I'm proud of you. See, understand something. It's wrong for me to be proud of me. Pride in my life is wrong. But it's not wrong for me to be proud of you. And if we would let each other know that we're proud of one another, I truly don't believe we would st struggle with pride like we do. Joseph teaches us a message. Believe in people. And then Mary teaches us three messages. Three simple messages and I'm done. Mary, first of all, teaches you how to be happy. You say, boy, I want to hear that preacher because I'm sure not. Well, she teaches you. In John chapter 2, 
She goes to a wedding and they run out of wine. And she goes to Jesus and said, we need to do something. They're out of wine. You say, Pastor Benny, I want to be happy. Get your mind on somebody else's wine. Get your mind on doing for somebody else. Look, look, it was a great day in my life when I realized that it helps me to help others. You, you want to be happy. You want to give flowers to somebody else. It will leave a fragrance in your hand. Quit looking out for yourself. Quit talking about how sick you are. Quit talking about every situation in your life. You want to be happy? Get your mind off yourself and get your mind on somebody else. She teaches us how to be happy. She teaches us how to be holy. You say, Pastor, how, how can I be holy? Well, remember she said they need some wine. And he gave some instructions. And look what Mary said. Long before Nike, whatsoever he says, do it. Just do it. You want to be holy, folks. Look here. You want to please the Lord. Whatsoever he says, just do it. Do it and leave the consequences to him. Quit trying to figure it out. Just do it and leave the consequences to him. She teaches us how to be happy. She teaches us how to be holy. But, but I'm done. She teaches us how to go to heaven. She teaches us how to go to heaven. The musician's coming. In John chapter 19, verse 26, it says, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved. Now, now, now here's, here's all I want you to get. Who wrote this? John wrote this. And John said, the one was standing by whom he really loved. Who was he talking about? He was talking about himself. He was talking about himself. He said, look, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, get this, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. You've got to understand this. Jesus from that cross, he made seven statements. But from that cross, ladies and gentlemen, he looked down at his mother. And he said, woman, behold your son. He wasn't talking about himself. He was talking about John. He said, I'm no longer your son. Today, I'm your savior. And he said, for 33 years, I've been your child. But today, you're my child. This is all I'm going to say and I'm done. This is all I'm going to say and I'm done. If Mary who gave birth 
to the Son of God can't go to heaven unless she accepts Jesus. You and I can't go to heaven unless we accept Jesus. I'm not trying to make a church member out of you. I'm not trying to make anything out of you. But I do want you to be able to go to heaven. And you can't go to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, unless you accept Jesus Christ. Get this. In your homes, you've got Christmas presents under your tree. God didn't put any presents under a tree. But oh, he put the present of all presents on a tree. Jesus Christ came to a cross. He died on a tree. Ladies and gentlemen, for your sin and for my sin. And Mary's message to us. You can be happy. You can be holy. And you can go to heaven. But you'll have to accept Jesus just like I did. Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Rock Springs Church. If you would like more information about Rock Springs, be sure to follow us on social media or connect with us at rockspringsonline.com. Join us right here next week for another message from Rock Springs Church.